Hello and welcome to the Swimming Ideas Podcast. My name is Jeff and I will be your host for today. This is the episode number 41, Going Underwater First. And today we are going to talk about why you should focus on going underwater with all of your beginning swim lesson participants. We're going to talk about the games you play, the actions you can use, and how you can integrate that skill into every different facet of your beginning level classes. Let's get started and look into why we go underwater first. That's right, we're talking about going underwater first today. And as I said earlier, my name is Jeff and I'm going to be your host. We are looking at level one and parent taught specifically today because that's where we choose to initially focus on going underwater. Before we can do any of the more complicated, heck, before we can do any of the other strokes, we need to focus on going underwater. And we're going to look at to why we do that. Now, Level one and parent taught. If you're familiar with the swimming ideas world, or, and I say that as in the different levels that we have, we have parent taught, level one, level two, level three, level four, and then swim team. Level one is, do you go underwater and are you comfortable being held by an instructor? That's the key. Are you going underwater on your own on a regular basis comfortably? And are you able to do your front glides and your back glides while the instructor holds you, so giving you support, without freaking out? (laughs) And that's really what our level one class is. Now, we devote a whole level to going underwater because it's so important. In our parent-taught class, the primary goal that we lead up to is passing from one instructor to the parent underwater. So we call that gliding or scooping or um, passing. It's called an underwater pass. And we incrementally build up to that through a series of progressions over a course of six days to build up to passing underwater. Now, why is it so important? Why is this the number one skill for our primary initial groups? Because you can't do anything else if you don't go underwater. It really is that simple. Our primary focus of going underwater is so you can do everything else that swimming is. The initial step, the first thing you need to do before you can start swimming unimpeded or without restrictions is to go underwater on your own and have an understanding of how you can hold your breath whilst underwater so you don't choke on it or lead to other drowning issues. When you can go underwater, you can actually do everything else. It's just a matter of learning how. So we focus primarily on going underwater through a variety of different ways. In Parent Tot, I'm not going to talk as much about right now because we've done it in other podcasts and there are other resources that you can have where we talk about this. We're going to focus primarily here on level one for the rest of the podcast. The only thing you can do in level one without going underwater is supported activities where you're physically being held at the surface, like supported front float, supported back float, when the instructor picks up the person, or if the person can stand on their own in water that is not above their head. 
and the only other stroke that you can swim without putting your face in the water is backstroke. Now, backstroke, you do put your ears in the water, and there is a high likelihood of you getting water in your face, which simulates being submerged in the water. So it actually isn't, I mean, you could do it without getting your face in, but most beginners tend to sink or fall underwater. And if they won't go underwater on their own or know how to manage holding their breath, closing their eyes, or leaving their eyes open even, and blowing bubbles with their nose so water doesn't go up it, then they're going to spaz out, or they're going to freak out when water does go in their face on their back. And they're likely going to panic when they're not being supported by the instructor. So you can do activities without going underwater, but it severely hampers or limits those activities that you can do, which is why we make it our primary focus of a level one, go underwater. And we try to integrate go underwater with every different portion of our activities and our lessons. So if you look at the level one lesson plans, there's a lot of emphasis on putting your face in the water. It's why we take time in our training workbook to talk about the incremental underwater progression, starting at the chest, your shoulders, chin, lips, nose, eye, and then your whole head. Why we talk about the ways you can pour water over a child's head, because they are all these steps that we take to make the underwater process both quicker and more effective for the instructor to be teaching it. So, right, so if we do all these incremental steps, then it doesn't take as long for us to convince someone to go underwater. Now, part of what level one is for uh, our lesson plans is we want to try to integrate going underwater with every activity. And we're going to go through a few examples of that right here. And that's what the main focus of this podcast is today, to give you some general ideas and general things that you can do in your lessons to integrate, to build into your swim lessons how to go underwater on a regular basis in every activity. So to go underwater, what do we need to know? We need to teach our swimmers to how, what to expect when they're underwater. They can't breathe. Uh, that if they go upside down, they might get water up their nose. So we teach blowing bubbles. Um, we try to encourage them to open their eyes. We make an attempt to teach them to open their eyes. And if you've listened to... Uh, podcast number, what was it? If you listen to podcast, um, I don't think it is a podcast. I don't know. If you listen to, or if you looked at the blog post, make an attempt, do not try. You'll know that we make an attempt to say words like make an attempt instead of try. Uh, so, we make an attempt to uh, encourage our swimmers to open their eyes underwater and to relax when they go underwater, to expect it as a regular thing. So, And we do that by giving repeated opportunities to go underwater. Let's just begin with the examples, and we'll wrap this podcast up fairly quickly today. So example number one, and I'm going to go through this as if we were teaching a class, uh, would be bobs, right? So the first thing that we do when we're going underwater is the first thing that we do when we're teaching a level one class is typically we get them in the water and immediately start with bobs. And we can say, we're going to do bobs up to your shoulders. 
we're going to do bombs up to your chin, right? We're hitting the target for each or a step of the underwater incremental prog progression, right? So a step at a time, beginning at the chest and moving upwards towards the whole head. And you can give instructions to those swimmers that will put their face in the water to do that three times or five times. And it doesn't have to be any specific type of submersion or any specific type of going underwater. It can simply be putting your chin in the water or putting just your nose in the water. You know, whatever it is that you want your swimmers to do, at least give them some attainable activity. And the explicit goal here is to completely go underwater with their whole head. And the instructor should demonstrate that, right? So the instructor should go underwater and say, oh, that was a bob. Now you do it. If you can't put your whole face on the water, here are the things that you can do. Put your chin, put your nose, put your lips, you know, give them alternate achievable activities. When So moving on, somewhat tied to this, you can play with the rings or the diving sticks or diving toys. We'll assume that you're standing in water with the instructor or with the participants that are at least chest deep so the swimmers are in water that is up to their chest or they can stand in or they're standing on benches so that they can stand and what we're going to do is we're going to give them rings or diving sticks that they can drop at their feet or that you can drop at their feet for them and they're going to go ahead and have a chance to go underwater and get them now if the water is shallow enough they won't need to put their whole face in the water to get the rings and you can put specific restrictions on those items that are underwater so the blue ones you can get with your feet, the red ones you can get with your hands, and the yellow ones you have to get by putting some part of your face underwater. And then the red ones, well, those you have to put your whole head underwater, right? So you can make these uh, arbitrary rules to your game here or your activity, which encourage a higher level of participation, right? So if you want to be able to just get the rings with your feet, and some people will be happy doing that. Uh, then you can do that. And if you want to encourage them by, you know, magically putting this uh, extra influence on the red rings, because those are the ones with your whole head and only the select few people can do it, then you can do that as well. Um, you can also help your swimmer. So if you're in a little bit deeper water, you can hold the ring at about halfway. And so they don't need to go completely underwater, but you should encourage it. Our goal here is to constantly give an opportunity for the swimmers to, or the participants to put their face in the water if they want to. We're not pushing their face in the water. We're not forcing them, but we're allowing them the opportunity to through repeated asking and questions. And our goal here is that the more that they're forced to interact with going underwater, understanding that it is the basis for the entire lesson, that they're going to eventually start incrementally step-by-step step, getting a little bit deeper every time with their face and eventually they're going to learn over time that there's nothing very scary about going underwater or very wrong with it and eventually they'll be able to do it on their own so that's with the, the bobs the rings we're introducing the opportunity to go underwater we can do the superman glides through a hula hoop so you can hold the hula hoop upright uh, and the participants can walk through it like they're going through a ring and you can encourage them to jump through like they're Superman or walk through like they're an animal of some kind of their choice. Uh, we say Superman because if you do a Superman glide through the hula hoop, it feels really strong like you're flying like Superman. But in order to do that, you need to put your face in the water. Now you can have a, uh, one of the swimmers hold or a participant hold the hula hoop for you and you can provide support for those swimmers as they go through the hula hoop, basically doing a supported front glide with them. 
uh, you can do that with them and they will not put their whole face in the water, but they can have the opportunity to, right? So again, we're looking at the same, they're having an opportunity and a chance to put their face in the water. And at the least, you can say you have to put your chin in the water. Uh, and, and so you can tailor that based on uh, the comfortability of your group. So how comfortable are those participants in your class to go underwater? You can have them, uh, you can hold the hula hoop lure in the water and say, you know, we're just going to walk through. The first time through, you put your chin in. The second time through, you put your lips in. And the third time through, your nose goes underwater. So you can kind of step-by-step work through the incremental progression there. Uh, we also, when we do our supported front glides, that would be the next thing that we're kind of going to move into. And, you know, you can very easily support a child horizontally on the surface of the water and they can lift their head up out of the water. And you, in fact, you see this quite a bit. They'll be kind of petrified or scared because they're moving off where they can stand. And, you know, they'll be very rigid and keep their body nice and straight, which is great. But, you know, their fear isn't great. And we want to, and we've gone over this before, how to repeatedly earn trust through uh, repeated honesty. So how to earn trust through repeated honesty. Uh, that's actually a section in the uh, section two. It's a little chapter in section two of the swim instructor training workbook. Uh, but how to earn trust through repeated honesty. And that's just over and over again, you demonstrate that you're going to hold them at the surface and not force them to go underwater if they don't want to. Um, and when you do our supported front glides, we're working on that body position, the horizontal straight body position, but it's also an opportunity to focus on putting the face in the water. So we're already holding the swimmer at the surface, and we're going to repeatedly ask them to put their face in the water by putting their lips in, put their nose in, blow bubbles, any number of different things to make the actual activity of supported front glides a little more interesting and a little more challenging, right? Because it's a bit beyond what they need to do. When we do kicking, we can use barbells, we can use kickboards, we can do it on the side of the pool. Uh, we want to encourage them again to do this with their face in the water. So kick your feet and any any way that we're working on using our legs to move us forward, we can encourage our swimmers to put their face in the water. Blow bubbles, do it three times, get your nose underwater twice. You know, we can do any of these things again. When we work on arm circles, uh, we can uh, say... You know, stand upright and spin your arms in circles five times. Do that, you know, do a whole bunch of arm circles. And then you can say, well, now this time we're going to do arm circles, but I want you to put your chin in the water when you do it. So lean forward slightly. And next time we're going to do it with your nose in the water. All right, so you can slowly build up to it. Uh, the game Bake a Cake, which is one of my favorite swim games, and probably because, uh, I, I think I took it from somewhere else and then applied it. I, I don't know. I have this memory of inventing this game, but I don't think I did. Uh, but anyways, Bake a Cake is a wonderful game. I love playing it. It's so effective. Uh, you get a hula hoop. You hold it at the surface. You Everyone stands around the cake. And there are, I think there's literally like seven different opportunities for the swimmers to put their face in the water as it relates to baking a cake in the water. So you can splash them with the water as they're putting the ingredients in. You can put you know, stir it around with your hand. You can taste the cake, the batter, to make sure it's ready. You can put your face in the water as you're pushing the cake underwater into the oven. You can put your face in the water as you're lifting the cake out of the pool. You're taking it out of the oven. It's really heavy and you have to go underwater. You have to put your eyes in the water to see if it's ready to eat. 
usually you ask if someone in the class will do it. And if no one offers, you can do it yourself. Um, and then when you eat the cake, you can put your face in the water. So there's all these different steps throughout the game. And the game is really designed for putting your face in the water, right? It'd be entertaining about putting your face in the water. Uh, and so there's all these different opportunities for you to put your face in the water. And they're encouraged because it's part of a game. It's part of this pretend world. Uh, and everyone gets into it. And if the swimmers, the instructors into it, then the swimmers are into it. Uh, and you can really get a lot out of it and sometimes really encourage people to put their face in the water, even though they may not have wanted to in the past. Uh, last thing, when we do jumps, I always like to ask our participants, do you want to go underwater? And this gives them a sense of a sense of power in the lesson. So they get a choice, right? We're giving them a choice of, do you want to go underwater or not? So we're kind of restricting the choice, but that illusion of choice gives them a sense of security and power. And if they say, no, I don't want to go underwater, then when they jump in, I make sure that their face doesn't go underwater. But if they say yes, you can say, okay, we're just going to put our chin underwater. Is that okay? And they'll say yes. Then you let them fall in the water and hold them up until just their chin is underwater. So you can do jumps where they go underwater, but not completely underwater. And it gives them a safe place so they can still participate in the jumps and they might still get splashed in the face. But if they feel, if they trust you, they'll do jumps and participate in activities that other people that do go underwater do, but without going underwater because you're supporting them, right? So, but it is an opportunity to go underwater in small steps. Finally, with monkey walks, it's when you walk along the side of the pool in the water, use your hands and legs to move yourself in the water along the side. Um, we call it monkey walks because you're using your hands and legs. You're using your hands and feet to move. At different locations in the pool, you can actually say, okay, at this location, you need to put your face in the water. At that location, you need to put your nose in the water. At you know location number three, you need to put your chin in the water. So you can make different sections of the pool, and if you're consistent with it, they'll do it on their own. Or you can say, all right, from here to there, do this. Monkey walk there. Once you get there, do three bobs. Then from here to there, once you get to the second place, do two jumps. And, you know, you can give different location-based activities. I want to know, do you have some interesting ways that we didn't cover? I kind of went through a range of different activities, uh, a game, some general activities that you do in swim lessons, front glides, kicking, and talked about how in each one we're very clearly making an effort to encourage our participants to go underwater. And we do that because it's the basis for all the rest of swimming. So I want to know, do you have some interesting ways to encourage your beginners to go underwater? How do you integrate going underwater in your program? Do you focus on, you know, like Swim America, do you just focus on going underwater? Like we're just going to go underwater for a whole set station. Or do you build it into a larger level structure? So... Some of our secondary requirements for level two, I mean, some of our testable skills are to do front floats or front glides with an instructor with your face in the water and to do a back glide or a supported back glide with the instructor with your ears in the water, right? Because they're kind of tied to, do you go underwater? You know, what do you do in your program? How do you handle your level one class? What's the primary focus? You know, are you even doing going underwater in level one or do you wait for level two to do that? or whatever you call level two. I want to know. Connect with me. Send me an email, jeff at swimmingideas.com, 
or you can uh, connect with me on Twitter at Swimming Ideas. That's email jeff at swimmingideas.com. Or you can connect with me on Twitter at Swimming Ideas. Or you can connect with us on Facebook. That's Facebook Swimming Ideas. Uh, and I'd love to hear from you and what you do in your program when it comes to uh, going underwater. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Uh, it is for you and your benefit that we do it, and I hope that there's some value that you find in this discussion on swimming and swim lessons. Once again, today was about going underwater and why it should be your primary purpose in your beginning level classes and how to work it into each of the different activities that you might do in your level one classes. All right. Thank you. Take care. And we'll talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.